Talk is Jericho. It's the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And all I can say is on this Thanksgiving holiday weekend is America. We are so thankful for the Duff McKagan joke of the week. Hey, Chris Jericho, Duff McKagan calling you. Hey, I don't know if I ever told you the story. Freddie Mercury went into a Greek restaurant and he's finishing his meal and the waiter came um, with two plates to break, you know, the Greek tradition. And uh, Freddie Mercury said, could I have one more? The waiter said, why? He said, I want to break three. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. Oh, that was, <laughs> I want to break three. <laughs> oh, that was really good. Thanks to Duff, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, uh, bass player extraordinaire, and purveyor of ridiculously stupid jokes. Uh, hope Duff and his family had a great Thanksgiving in Seattle, if that's where they are. And I hope you're having a great Thanksgiving wherever you are. And uh, I hope you did have a great Thanksgiving. And remember, it's Black Friday, too. And if you're glued to your computer screen doing a little online shopping, let me make it easy for you. I got a couple things I got to promote here. I uh, got everybody on your list, something from my new clothing line, Painmaker Apparel. Go to painmaker.store. Uh, T-shirts, hoodies, tracksuits, sweatsuits, all based on my time uh, and tours of Japan. Very, very cool stuff. Go check that out at painmaker.store. And if you're shopping for someone a little extra special, get them a little bit of the bubbly to go along with the new Painmaker threads. You can order that at uh, littlebitofthebubbly.com. That's littlebitofthebubbly.com. People are just uh, enjoying this. Uh, it's really good tasting champagne, too, and it really looks cool. This is the second edition with a very silvery space like design. So check that out. And don't forget, as well, taking pre orders for the complete list of Jericho, uh, the new book that'll be coming out in the spring, featuring every match I've ever had uh, that I've kept personally. That's the truth. Every match I ever had over 30 years. Top 10 lists, memories, favorite arenas, favorite referees, stories from some of the biggest stars in wrestling about me. Uh, it's a very, very cool, uh, kind of almost a coffee table book. You can get that at Jericho30.com. And don't forget, if you pre-order it, you get a 90-minute uh, audio podcast, I guess you'd say, uh, from me talking about specific matches that you guys chose. So that's three really cool Jericho uh, Christmases for you. Christmas gifts, painmaker.store for the clothes, little bit of the bubbly.com for the bubbly, and Jericho 30 for the book. Speaking of books, the new Young Books book has arrived. It's called Young Bucks Killing the Business from Backyards to the Big Leagues. You can get that at shopaew.com or wherever you buy books. It's a huge hit, made it onto the bestseller list already. And I've got Matt and Nick back on the show today, I think for the third or fourth time, to talk about writing the book and share some of the incredible stories from it. They're talking about how they got their dad to build them a wrestling ring in the backyard, how Matt super kicked Nick's front teeth out. <laughs> so bad. And how one errant leg drop off the couch broke their little brother's arm. This is all Matt. He's uh, very stiff with his brothers, apparently. They're talking about their rock bottom days at TNA, how uh, they couldn't even afford a Popeye's chicken sandwich, how the Bullet Cub changed their life and made them into huge international successes, how they did that their own way, what inspired them to start focusing on merch, how they got it in a hot topic. They talked Colt Cabana, Pro Wrestling Tees, being the elite. Remember a terrible match they had against Brian Danielson and Roderick Strong and how they became good friends with the late, great Chris Canyon. It's a great discussion. I love talking to these guys. Matt and Nick Jackson, the Young Bucks, are back 
on Talk is Jericho right now. Killing the podcast here today. It's the Bucks. So, um, the new book, Killing the Business, which is a great name from the Young Bucks. Awesome. Uh, Matt and Nick, and you guys have been on the show, I think, two times. I think this is number three right here. Wow. Yeah. We uh, asked permission to make sure we could do this. Yeah. This is cool. First of all, I read uh, a bunch of stuff from the book, and we just thought of this yesterday, so I didn't get to read the whole thing. But man, you can totally tell, and this is what a good sign of a, of a good book is, wrestling, whatever, you can tell you guys wrote it. Yep. It's in your voice. You can right. hear you guys saying this. Just to jump right in, how did you put together this book? Because you've written it like Matt has a chapter, right. and then Nick yep. has a chapter, and that you kind of told me about it on and off, but kind of how did you put yeah. it all together? It, you know, it's funny, is the first, the first thing they said to us was like, okay, so we're going to hook you up with the ghostwriter. And I said, whoa, 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 stop you right there. We're not doing a ghostwriter. Right. They're like, are you sure? And we were like, yeah, <laughs> we don't want a ghostwriter. And they couldn't believe it. They were like, are you sure? Because everybody who does these types of books, they usually have someone, especially first-time writers, you have ghostwriters. Right. And we we kept telling them. We were like, we really want to do this the right way. And our entire career has been done DIY, do it right. yourself. And it has to be told in our voice. And they are like, okay, I, I hope you know what you're getting yourselves yeah, but, into. Yeah, and little did we know what we were getting ourselves into. <laughs> well, and just for, and I, 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 we haven't even discussed this, but I can probably guess what people don't know is just how much time oh my God. it takes to put the other book. I, I think I worked it out my first book. I ended up making like $2.13 oh, an yeah. hour, like yeah. hundreds of hours though. on this thing. It's yeah. funny when a check finally comes in, you're like, oh, yeah, that's right. I got paid for this. Because like, <laughs> yeah. it just becomes this burden almost. Right. And it's a labor of love. Yeah. So immediately we were like, let's write this thing ourselves. Let's do it the right way. And uh, I remember uh, I, like two years ago, we started formatting the thing. And two years ago. Two years ago. Wow. And I was like, okay, we, I, I want to tell this story, this story, this story. And I started putting bullet points up. So I was already kind of trying to create like what I would want the book to look like. You know what was scary, though? Two years ago, we know what we're getting ourselves into. We know we're going to set up this company and help create <laughs> yeah. something so yeah. massive. And our place is so, totally full. So yeah. we knew our timing of it was probably the worst timing of our careers to get into something and dive into something so tough and right so that made but at the same hard. time we were like but we have all this time off though so this right. will be perfect but right we, yeah we thought we had time <laughs> off yeah. it ended up being the busiest time of our life <laughs> yeah. of course because aew was in the middle of being you know created. Well, and that's one of the things when, when yeah. we first started talking about this it's like talking about evps and there was yeah. a, an idea floated that chris do you want to be evp i said hell no I don't want to have to <laughs> do what smart, those guys man. are doing because i know all the shit it's everything yeah, it's right. every day right yeah. and <laughs> So we were like, we didn't, I don't think we understood that. Like, we didn't understand all the duties that were going to come along with the job. Mm-hmm. We just figured, like, yeah, you know, we've been booking our own angles on the Indies anyway. It's pretty, it's pretty easy, right? That's exactly what <laughs> yeah. we thought. And uh, so, so we started writing the book uh, at the same time AEW's opening. And right away, I was like, let's jump into the childhood thing. I, I figured I would take the first chapter because I'm the older brother. Mm-hmm. He wasn't alive yet. <laughs> uh, you got four years on him. I got four years on him, which people are still, it's funny, we go to the airport all the time and then they're, you know. You're twins, right? Yeah, twin brothers. Yeah, really? Twin brothers, huh? like all the time. And we don't think we look anything alike. It's so you, funny. You really don't. <laughs> but people don't know. Like, if so, you get to know us. You yeah, learn. exactly, exactly. Yeah. But but like you said, because I never knew there was four years. It's not a big difference, but when you look right. at, through some of these pictures sure. and we'll talk about difference. this, yeah, like yeah. that's when you know. You, you even wrote right. one of the pictures, you don't see it until you see like this right. little guy. That's right. And, yeah. you know, he's there's, there's he's, literally he's a towering picture. over me. Yeah. Like, the first time I ever met Nick, there's a picture in the book where he was just born and they have him in the little like the little bed as a baby. Oh, and man. I got my little Hulk Hogan LJN. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I look like I'm a four year old boy and he's right. just a baby. So yeah. I think people, I think, will see that and they'll go, really? Right. That's crazy. And then we also obviously have a 
older sister and a younger brother, Malachi. Uh, Malachi's younger than you guys? He's yeah. the youngest. Okay, gotcha. He's the youngest. He's the baby of the family. Gotcha. He was actually a wrestler at, uh, at right. one point. And uh, he just he, he did like one really hard weekend with us. And he's like, okay, I quit. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, we were like local lads. And then the first time we, he got on a plane, he's just like, I don't know how you guys do this. Right. This is the worst. It's and not it, for everybody. It's, it's not. not. Yeah, right. it's not yeah. So, so I, in the beginning, I told Nick, I'd, ch- I'd take chapter one. I'll talk about this. I said, you take the second chapter. And we kind of like, It was ta- like tagging in and out. Tagging in and out. Like we're used yeah. to. Yeah. Which right. we do. We built a career off of yeah. it. So <laughs> Might as well write a book kept, that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We knew that we wanted to dive kind of deep into that because we really never told anybody about you know our childhood and what we dealt with and mm-hmm. our having weird religious i don't want to call them weird but christian freak mom and dad right you know, it's different you'll call them yeah. a freak though yeah. <laughs> overly religious right. family though not they'll never dad. listen to this yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no they will for sure actually of course they will <laughs> hey mom and dad it's the classic line that gallus said i think they're mormons right <laughs> <laughs> they gotta be something <laughs> So you, you, you don't know what religion we yeah. believe in because yeah. we don't ever try to put it down people's throats. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. we hated that as like children. Right. We saw it. And we're like, that actually turns you off mm-hmm. right, from being religious. Sure, sure, That's sure. That's how all like our family was, though. You and know they I mean? still are. So, what, so yeah. what, I haven't read the, the, that part of the book. The, what kind of religion did you grow up in? Like high Christian? Yeah. Over, like big time Christianity? Big time Christian. We're, we're yeah. at church. Probably three times a week. Gotcha. Yeah. There was really no denomination though. With with because we would go, we could walk into a Baptist church. We could, you yeah, know, it's, right. it was all the same. Well, that's true Christianity though. Yes, yeah. it's Correct. not the church. It's it's what you're, you know, it's, it's, it's you know, who, who who the boss is, right? Exactly. No matter what denomination. But we've right? been to the crazy churches where they're speaking in tongues oh, yeah. and they're making, Waving you know, they flags. touch the people and they fall down. Right. And like we've oh, seen wow. it, we've we seen used it to all. do that all the time. Yeah. yeah, that was every Sunday for us, and we would go to churches that were four or five hours long as kids. And and not only that, after that we would get lunch and everybody's you know it's basically Bible study, and then we would go over to you know an aunt or uncle's house Bible study there, and then wow, they would they would pull yeah. up the drums and guitar and it, would, it was a, it was worship. a marathon. <laughs> of, no kidding. Yeah. So like that was our Sundays. I, I remember that like waking up Monday exhausted because we get home from late. all the church and right. yeah. like, man, we've done a lot of church in the last. You know, it's because when I was a kid, we yeah. used to go to. I grew up. My my mother was Ukrainian, mm. so it was like Orthodox. Sure. Uh, and so there's a lot of like, na, 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 yeah. na, and like you would just sit there for two hours where this guy like dressed like the Pope is reciting yes. shit and you got to recite it back. Then when I came to the States, I started going to church and that's where like the, the, the Baptists like, yes. you know, na, 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 playing the music that's and they're all yeah. singing and dancing and they're showing clips from like movies and stuff. Yes. I was like, this is church. Yeah, this is more modern and fun. <laughs> I would have loved this yeah. back when I was a kid. Yeah, I've been to those style too because Dana, who I'm married to, she's, she went to one of those more old school type, yeah, like Anglican Methodist. Methodist yeah. Or, yeah. And I remember going to a Methodist church for the first time. I was like, this is so weird. Is, yeah. is this like Catholic or something? What, what it's is It's repeating this? stuff yes. over and over again right. with the, with the, the miss, uh, the, the, right. the, 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 the smelly stuff, whatever you call that. Yes. The candles that burn. Right. In- incense. Yeah, incense. Yeah. 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 yeah so, we, we, we dive into that because a lot of people don't really know much about that. And, yeah. and uh, we don't go too crazy. No. Religious. But it's part, it's part it's of part who of, you guys are. Right. It was yeah. part of our upbringing. Yeah. Um, and, and now it's like, like, obviously nobody's really going to church because of every, the whole country's you can't, shut down. Yeah, right. Yeah. I, you know, we'll still watch it. We'll have our, our zoom Sundays mm-hmm. and we'll sit there and watch it in the morning. But even before then our careers got so busy, we haven't been to church regularly. No, in, I haven't in year, been in, in years. Like it's in 10 years. It's impossible. Yeah. You know, know what's amazing to me too, though, and I've known you guys for three years or so, worked with you for three years, and and there is this whole element now in the business. And I came in in 90 
which was we don't have to discuss it was rock star right. central lunacy right. uh, it was just kind of in the middle of that the 90s and 80s were really crazy but you guys are, are part of, and Kenny's the same of, of, of no drinking right. yeah no drugs no anything it's yeah. like just right. good people which is so rare <laughs> in the wrestling business like what and think, it's real. It's legit for you guys. I think we came in at the tail end of that. Right. It was like early 2000s. That's still in the but business. But you know what? That yeah. has to do with our mom and dad, too, though. Our yeah. upbringing. Like, yeah. they never had it in the house. So, I, I guess, in a way, we were never tempted by any of it. So right. We never saw any of it. Yeah. So And it was a big thing. Like, I remember uh, sometimes my parents would be like, you can't do that. God would never allow it. Hell, yeah. yeah. You're going to hell. That was always the fear. <laughs> but I'm, I'm not even talking about from a, from a parental standpoint. I know tons of guys that came in the business. Sure. Cena, Benoit, that never did anything until they got sure. in the business. Right. And then they're drinking and doing everything right. just because you're around all the time. You know? We yeah. were told at a young age, I remember yeah, like, we were. getting we were. in, that, uh, a lot of veterans said it. They're like, all right. I see how you are now, but things yeah, are going to change. See. Yeah. I remember Brian Kendrick would always give us so much crap because he was like, he loved this about us as well. He's like, I love that. He's like, but I'm just, I'm, I hate in five years. I know you guys are going to be alcoholics <laughs> and drug addicts. And, and luckily it never happened. I, maybe he was teasing us, but we, we would get it a lot where like, at first people didn't understand. They'd be like, hey, come have a drink with us. And we're just like, it's not really our thing. And mm. we're, you know, we, we'll still hang out with the guys. Absolutely. And I think that's why people like us. Thing. Yeah. Exactly. And, and we won't judge yeah. the people who yeah. do. Because it. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. I don't care either. I like, don't mind that. That's another thing our parents taught yeah. us, though. Don't be judgmental to others. And yes, we, we've carried that along I, the way. I try I try never to be judgmental, generalize. I hate yeah. all of that. People well, are people. business, too. There's, they're all gypsies, tramps, and thieves in one way yes. or another, so you can't ever judge anybody for Correct. what they're doing here. Right. Correct. You know? But it's interesting, too, because like you said, back in the day, it was like you got to drink with the boys. And, and yeah. even Lance Storm used to take major heat because he never drank, never did anything. Wow, okay. Finally, he's like, dude, just hold this bottle in your hand. <laughs> right. It can be the same one all night long. No one's going to care because back then, it's like if you didn't go out, you're, you're like a stooge or yeah. you wouldn't be trusted. I yeah. see that and all sure. that's gone, but you guys still hang. Like, sometimes Nick is up till yeah. 6 a.m. sometimes. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And, and yeah. So that's, it's just part of the camaraderie of being, right. uh, being part of the gang. So let's get into how you actually found time to write your new book. But before we do... I've had a lot of time to listen to the new ACDC record, Power Up. It's amazing. And you can tell because it came out a couple weeks ago. It was number one in 18 countries. 18 countries, including right here in the United States. You have to get a copy if you don't already have it. If you like ACDC, if you love ACDC, if you're mildly acquainted with ACDC, but you love rock and roll, check out Power Up. Angus Young, Brian Johnson, Cliff Williams, Phil Rudd, Stevie Young, filling in for the late, great Malcolm Young. The band you know and love is back, uh, saving 2020. They've delivered 12 guitar-shredding anthems, some of the best work they've done in years, including Shot in the Dark, Realize, uh, Why Do They Kick You When You're Down, Kick You When You're Down, I love that tune, and my personal favorite is Demon Fire, although I like Witch's Spell today, too. It changes all the time. This is the album that ACDC fans and rock and roll fans have been waiting for, and it's now available to own on CD and vinyl, plus there's an awesome one-of-a-kind deluxe edition. It's got an interactive package that lights up with a flashing neon ACDC logo, and a built-in speaker that plays the opening riff of Shot in the Dark. So very cool. Some of the best packaging uh, that I've seen in a long time. Also comes with an exclusive 20-page booklet with photos, behind-the-scenes content. The Deluxe Lightbox Edition is the ultimate fan package. I've got one. you got to get one. Get your Lightbox copy today on acdc.com or wherever you purchase your favorite rock music. This is the album of 2020. Check it out now. 
so uh, as we get our rundown sheets, we're officials here. So, but so so you're talking about putting together the book, and and how did you, how did you write it? Because you mentioned you had all this time off, but you're super yeah, busy. Right. So we did it all on our phones. Wow. That's what's crazy. Yeah, uh, and it would that be, is crazy. It would be in between. I don't think that was ever the plan. Like, hey, we're going to do this all on our phones. This is, I just started writing one night and, on my phone on my notepad while I was in bed. I was like, because I just want to take a crack at it. And I and I was like, man, I'm this is going really well. This is just the best way. I I just know phones. I know to, I'm on my phone more than I'm ever on a computer right, these right, days. Right. And it's always there. So I and just, then we oh. have those long flights from California yes. to wherever we're going. Yeah. So we yeah. found that was probably the easiest time to focus on the book. I remember being at the bus stop waiting for my daughter Courtney to get you know t- to come, and I would pull from up my school. phone from yeah. school and I would start writing the thing. And my neighbor would come by. He's like, "Hey, what are you doing there? You look like you're you know pretty focused on something." So I'm just writing uh, in my bu- I'm writing my book. <laughs> it's just like what? <laughs> but it was literally in between any time Anytime, we could do yeah. something when we weren't planning something for AEW. Or when we were at home, it was just book, book, book. And it was, it was, it was like almost like a burden because anytime I was like, "Oh my god, I got a free hour." Nope, I can't go enjoy myself. Yep. I can't. I, I, I didn't. I haven't watched a show in so long. I haven't been able to enjoy anything. It was always like, "I've got the book. I've got the book." It was always in the back of my mind, and and it wasn't just writing the book. It was fact checking. It was. Yeah. Talking to family and and making sure the dates lined up. Looking for pictures. It was it was blowing the dust off of old photo albums and going, "There's a yeah. photo." It was it was going to cage match and seeing our matches and going, "I thought that match was in 2004." Yeah, we didn't write our dates down like you did, so right. so it was a lot yeah. of research. So much research. I so wish tedious. we did. You know, but you know what's yeah. funny though? Like I wrote my first book in 2007 mm-hmm. about the first twenty well first twenty years when uh, twenty five so first. 30 years of my life, but yeah. the first 10 years of my career. Right. And none of that stuff was documented because right. it was all Mexico and Japan and yeah. Indies. So I couldn't go back and check. So wow. I bet you 50% of that is wrong, but it's what I remember. Sure. Mm. Now, and I, I know this from the new book I'm working on with, with the, all the matches, right. that Marvis will call me and say, I read in cage match at this time. I'm like, are you serious? Like, yeah. I work with The Rock in Madison Square Garden <laughs> in 1990. I don't, I didn't. He yep. goes, you did. Here's, I didn't. How did I not remember that? But That's it's all crazy. there for yeah. you to see yep. in, in the computer, yeah. in the internet. It, it thank, helps. Thank God for the computer, yeah. man. Like, it saved us. But like going back to like even the photos, like when my the publisher's like you need you need a photo. What would they tell us? It was like you need a photo or two to represent each chapter in the book, right? Right. right. Said, some of these are impossible. How am I going to do that? And and I look back, I'm like none of these. Some of the photos I have like from old camera digital cameras, they're not big enough. Yeah, it wouldn't work. So they wouldn't work. Right. Or like I so I had to like track down old photographers. I had like I had to do so much homework. Fans from Fan, the audience. So, sometimes yeah. I would have fan photos, and I was like, this yeah. is a great photo of the the original uh, story of the elite forming, but it was a fan photo. They're like, okay, can you get permission from the fan? I'm like, how am I going to go back in time to Tokyo at the Corkin Hall in yeah. 2015 or whatever it was? And so it's like I couldn't use so many of the photos yeah. I wanted in the book. So like finding the photos was – it took me six months. Mm. And then when I finally had it, I'm like, oh, my God, that was harder than writing the book. It's mm-hmm. so like I have new – just newfound respect for anybody who's ever done this. Oh, for sure. Because it was such a project. Especially if you're doing it the way you guys are doing it because yeah. you want it to be right. So yes. you are in charge of everything. You have to be. You know, If, if you want your story told right, you have, you to, have, tell to, tell your, you have to tell it yourself. Yeah. The other thing is how do you find an ending? Because it's like, are people going to be disappointed with the ending? Do they want to know more about this thing? But it's like, I don't know when it happened. It was like, what, we were like halfway writing it. And I, I think I came up with the idea for, for the finish. Yeah, and I knew right away. All right, that's And it felt right. Yep. Like, But even that we struggled with. What is the finish of the book? The finish, I'll, I'll be spoiling it here. Oh, but okay. It's okay. 
It, like, we, we get we get to the point where AEW is, about, is going to be finally announced, right? Because you figured, yeah, that could be a whole other book in itself. Absolutely, yeah, two I, years here already. Is a I book, felt like know? it's kind of a cliffhanger yeah. to, oh, maybe they and will. That's do the way it. to do it, right? Like I said, I'm yep. five books in. You guys could easily do another one right. just talking about all your experiences yeah. in AEW. Right. Yep. We get really heavy into like the struggles we had too as independent wrestlers because we were talking about this earlier in a different interview where like we broke into the 2000s. So there was like, it was the end of the attitude era. Yeah. There's no money in independent wrestling. Right. No. Yeah. Wrestling was kind of on Especially the ground. Especially in California. Right. Like California, a lot of people don't realize it, but at the time there was only one big independent show there and it was called pro wrestling gorilla. Right. And it was hard just to get to that. Yeah. It was the one chapter I read. So you guys couldn't get booked there. Yeah. 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 Super Dragon one. It was, like yeah. A, yeah. it was like the ever eluding PWG and they paid you 50 bucks. So it wasn't but, like you no, go but, there and you find gold. Everyone and, watched it. Yes. Like from the East Coast, people watched it. The promoters watched it. The wrestlers it's, watched it. It's a modern day ECW. I never yeah. made more than 250 bucks for a show in ECW. Yep. That's it. But if you were on ECW, you were, you were somebody. Exactly. Yeah. We, and that was our first break was yeah. getting there because that's what it made us explode. And right. uh, we had a Japanese uh, talent guy, uh, talent relations from Dragon Gate. At the show, so show right. saw us. It was our second show there. It might have been like our, our second, second, second show. Or third show there, so yeah. it shows you it was fast. Two shows, and we got to Japan from that. So yeah. we knew we had to get. But to But you that know what's company. funny is even before then, though, we started backyard wrestling way before then when I was sixteen. So we were already literally making, backyard, literally, literally in my backyard. Yeah. Yeah. Our dad built this ring because we were. You know, wrestling out on the streets and and wrestling in our neighbors' houses, or like we <laughs> we talk about in this in the book where like there was this furniture store and we set up like camp out back where they had old soggy mattresses and we would just wrestle in there. So they had an old truck that had spider webs around the the wheels because it hadn't moved in a while, and we'd jump off the top of that and anywhere to wrestle. Anywhere because at that point our parents were like, "You guys can't do this in our backyard anymore. Uh, it's too dangerous." So we just found other places, yes, <laughs> which was way more dangerous. And, but we didn't tell them. So then that's when they were like. We had. I remember we were at this place called Soup Plantation. It was like this restaurant, yeah, uh, buffet style. That's now since yeah. gone out of business. But I remember my dad. Had, he's like, he's called for a family meeting, and he's like, "You guys just won't stop wrestling, will you?" Like he's like, he's like, if you're not going to stop, I guess I, I just have to build you a ring. <laughs> and we're like, really? Was he like a carpenter type he, guy? Or? Yeah, like he did it all. He's a yeah. general contractor, gotcha. so he built homes and room additions. Wow, that's right. pretty cool. And uh, but at the time, I mean, this is when I'm 16 years old, and I'm 35 now, so this is close to 20 years ago. There wasn't really like you couldn't just Google how to build a wrestling ring. You know what I mean? He so my, watched enough wrestling though yeah. to know how to build one. And but you never know what's underneath though. That's the right. big yes. thing. That was the, the right? struggle. That's what that we, we struggled with at first. So we just used carpet padding. We had no clue what else well, to even, use. But, but even then, the he's frame like, yeah, the framing. Yeah. He's like, what's the frame? Is there a spring in the he's middle? Like, How's it bounce? Right? Yeah. It's a trampoline. Right. You never know yeah. for sure. Yeah. Right? So like he came up with a pretty good concept because the ring was really soft and it was a good ring. Like. The ropes were a little loose, but like for our first rings, we ended up having several. Yeah, the first one was really good. Once we got like yeah. the hang of it, it yeah. was actually like a pro ring. Right, you must have been the most popular kids in school. Oh, oh, they're on wrestling ring, yeah, dude. For everyone sure. in the neighborhood, they would stop by. And they knew we were the, the crazy. <laughs> I get messages to this day from fans saying, "Hey, I, I used to watch you guys in your backyard in Rancho yeah. Cucamonga. I'm so proud of you." Would you put it online or something? Or how yeah, yeah, we would you? do that. That uh, was like in the beginning of the internet, kind of getting you, hot. You, we had so. egos as backyard wrestlers. <laughs> I remember the. the <laughs> do you remember the the big tape they had? It was like. What was it called? King of Backyard Wrestling yeah. or 
They they uh, the wanted backyard tapes. They right? wanted to have our company on it. Our company. No, it was called Best of Backyard Wrestling. That's what it was. Yeah. And they asked us to put our our clips in, and we're What's like, your company called uh, BYWA Backyard, backyard Wrestling, Wrestling Association. Association. <laughs> and my name, I was Mr. BYWA. And we said, listen, we don't want to be on your VHS. We're we're too big for that. <laughs> yeah, because like they were like the, the movement back then was like they were the hardcore wrestlers who did the fluorescent light tubes and the thumbtacks. And we were like, we looked down on that. Well, that's dirty wrestling. Yeah, we we do the spots. Right. Yeah. Like we, we were into like doing RVD and Jerry Lynn's high spots. Right. Like we wanted to wrestle and Savage and Steamboat. Like we, we Which, tried to recreate those. You moments. know what's funny though is 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 it goes through generations because my yeah. dad was not a carpenter, but we would put all the couch cushions on the floor. Oh yeah. And we, my friend and I knew the whole St- Savage Steamboat match. That's great. And we would reenact it, and we could play both roles. Yep. So I remember being a kid doing. Wow. We we called them two counts. There was like. 18 two counts in the match that's false finishes uh, yep. but same thing it just yep, that's crazy as generations Matt I, I, and I did that exactly but with yeah. the RVD Jerry Lynn match oh wow literally spot yeah. for spot but you know what even before then in the living room I would put on the Coliseum home videos because we would go to Blockbuster and we would rent them all like yeah. m- multiple times over and we would watch the Rockers and we would you know we My would be student. throwing super kicks and yeah. we would be, be Malachi I, I, one time I did a leg drop off the couch and I broke his arm <laughs> yeah and he heard a crack it's like, it's like oh my god did something happen and like we all kayfabed our parents yeah <laughs> poor Malachi's going to school for two weeks with a broken arm yeah. until he finally he's like mom my arm really hurts did we ever tell you this <laughs> he took him and got an x-ray did we ever tell you the story uh, I, I was 11 you oh, were 15 yeah, yeah, yeah. we were in Las Vegas and he super kicked my front teeth out no way yeah. with Just, a super kick of we course had a game where our, we would, our favorite move later on that, we would, that would help make us a lot of money we would surprise each other by super kicking each other when we least expected and you gotcha. had to sell the move you know right. what I mean like Nick would turn a corner I'm like hey Nick surprise super yep. kick boom, boom. <laughs> so I was brushing my hair one day I think we were in Las Vegas we were in La- on a Las Vegas yeah. hotel our parents were down around. playing slots I yeah. turn around he goes surprise I have the brush right in front of oh. my mouth Super kicks me right in the teeth. I look, I go, oh my God, Matt. Yeah. My front teeth are yeah. out. He, he, I start bawling he, he has that big Foley smile. <laughs> <laughs> and I, like, I start panicking. I'm like, holy crap. <laughs> and uh, so I was like, I have to call my parents. I have to call my parents. So like I think I like but I know they had a, they probably had a cell phone by then. I somehow got a or did we have to wait? I don't remember. Page, maybe a pager. Maybe a pager. But we finally like told them like yeah. you have to get here. And they're like, what happened? We're like, everyone's okay. Just come. We didn't want to tell them what yeah. happened. To this day, they think that that's not the true story about right. how you they broke my teeth. Yeah. Why yeah. would you lie about right. that? Right. So you tripped and fell into the desk or something. <laughs> right. Right? Yeah, yeah. So they show up. They grab a glass of milk. They put the teeth in thinking they could save these teeth or something. <laughs> in milk? What does yeah. that have to do with anything? I have it's no got calcium in it. They're looking up yeah. Dennis in Vegas. They're trying to get him in. Uh, They're like thinking they could save it. They couldn't save him. They had to, so these these teeth that Nick have are fake. Yeah. These, these yeah. veneer yeah. The, or whatever, right? Is that what yeah, they're called? Wow. I, they redid like all four top ones because uh, like one of them was like not grown in all the way anyway. So yeah. they were like, let's just cap them all. This all poor right. kid though, this poor kid. They gave him back then. He had to wear a, a mold, or like a. It looked like he had bubble gum in his mouth. Yeah, back right? in the day, they didn't know how to do it. And like, they, right they away. made him wear this mold for like a week yep. or two, just and to he, get the molding done for the face. And he had to go. To, they made my parents so made him go to school with yep. this mold. It's, oh, yep. He was so. He, he remember you told me you're like, like I I wouldn't open my mouth for two weeks. I was talk. so embarrassed. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, what is wrong with your mouth, Nick? I'm like, nothing. <laughs> Must have hated your brother. Oh you son of so a that's bitch. why like wrestling was so like it was banned for a while in our house, and like that's when my dad was like, we're gonna build you this ring. We were so surprised. Because I'd broken my brother's arm, 
I you shattered his teeth. You're you stiff, man. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah. You're yeah. the stiff one in the family. Yeah. So like when he did, when he's like, yeah, I'm going to build you a ring. We're like, really? Holy crap. Looking back now, though, I think like we lived in Southern California, family of six. My mom didn't work. My dad did work, but he was an independent contractor. And there's not a lot of money. Like you never know when your next gig is. It's a lot like wrestling. And by the way, he's a legit independent contractor, a legit not independent a wrestling version. Right. So right, like, right. like it's already tough to live in California, let alone like where we do in SoCal with a family of six. And Rosh Cucamonga is not L.A. It's in the right. middle of yes. the fields. Yeah. At the time, it was really a small city. Now, since it's kind of blown up, it's kind of like rather large now. But but like we didn't have a lot of money, so I think my parents realized like we're not going to be able to send our kids to a major university or anything, and and I think they saw that we were serious about this if wrestling this is what thing. You want to do? And I think yeah. this was their way of saying, you know what, we could do this for them though, mm. and maybe it could pay off for them. And, it, and it's so funny because now you look back at the full story and you're like, God, that really paid off. Yeah. And my dad is yeah. so proud that he did it. Yeah, because so many people probably can you imagine. Oh, I'm going to build my son a wrestling ring. Right. People probably thought he was crazy. I yeah, remember yeah. our grandparents saying that. Like, what are you? thinking yeah. how That's, dangerous is that insurance right. reasons right. Yeah. all that stuff right and all the neighborhood kids are there too but you know what to our credit we were responsible we never did once we had the ring we we didn't do anything stupid we wanted to be pro wrestlers right so we took it serious we looked down like i was saying on the guys that were using the barbed wire and all this stuff like we're like we don't want to get hurt mm-hmm. we want to do this as a career like here i am 16 he's 12 and we we're already kind of making that decision talking's jericho is also powered in part by nitsa i'm not going very far i'm in a rush it's too uncomfortable sometimes i just forget Don't kid yourself. There's no such thing as a good excuse for not buckling up ever. If you've used any of these excuses or any others, you're putting yourself at risk of injury or death. Now, check this out. In 2018, nearly 10,000 people were unbuckled when they were killed in crashes. That's 43% of people killed in motor vehicle crashes that were not wearing seatbelts. No matter what kind of vehicle you drive, wearing your seatbelt is the best defense in a crash. Even when you sit in the back seat, you need to buckle up. Same goes uh, if you ride in taxis or using ride sharing services or if you get a car service or a limo, just because you're riding uh, in the back seat with a driver doesn't mean you're safe from, from a crash. Put on your seatbelt. Cops are on the lookout and writing tickets. So why take the risk in this holiday season or any other? Seatbelts save lives. So do the smart thing and buckle up every trip, every day, every night. Remember, click it or ticket. Well, you talk about the the one show that you had uh, in the the Olympic in yeah. LA was sold out, and yep. Nick lies that he's eighteen, yeah. but he's yep. only fifteen, and yeah. like that's that's amazing to me that yeah. you were not just allowed to, but that you were wrestling that young right. yes. in front of that many people. That that's that's crazy. Oh, it blew my mind. Yeah, uh, I remember signing that waiver. All right, I'm gonna pretend I'm eighteen, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> but like, man, that was crazy because before that we had. Done Nothing. shows for five dollars, yeah, and no crowd, uh, no crowd at all. Yeah. Well, two hundred people max, yeah. maybe. So going from two hundred people to six, eight thousand, I think it was. That was the there, only that thing that blew my mind. But you yeah. know what? Yeah. Back then, the only thing that drew was if you brought was, in the you know the lucha, the lucha libre, guys, yeah. right. the big yeah, for popular the, for, the, for the Mexican Spanish yes. people. Yeah, yeah. nobody else Latino crowd, right? Yeah, yeah. no one Demon, on I think was on the card. Like Conan was massive. El Santo, like the big names, drew that house. Yeah. But just to get that experience at that young age, man, it blew my mind. It felt like we were in a dream. You know what I mean? Like, this isn't real. All these lights on me. I'm 15. You know, that was the day that we got named the Young Bucks. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That that very day. Yeah. They did. So you were Mr. I was Mr. Instant Replay. I wore red. I was slick Nick. Nick wore blue. Original. Yeah. And, and for whatever reason, we never, it never even really crossed our minds. Like, hey, should we be attacked? And we just always wanted to be singles wrestlers. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know what it was at that time, at least. 
Well, even, you were a singles guy, you know what I mean? We looked up to you. Sean was, uh, at the time, a singles right. guy. So we thought, ah, we could be singles well, not to wrestlers. mention, too, it's your little brother. Yes. You want to be a tag team with his little yeah, brother. Yeah, maybe that's right. it. Maybe so that's once again, cool. 19 and 15, it's, that might as well be 60 and 20. Correct. It's, it's, it's a, a whole big universe. Right. Yeah. But it's so funny because at the same time, we were still heavily influenced by like the Hardys and the Rockers. That too, yeah, for but sure. But you know what? I was talking to Matt about this, Matt Hardy, the other day about this. Like, the Hardy Boys are the hottest thing in the world at that point. And it was almost uncool for guys like us to like the Hardys because they were all the girls like the Hardys. Right, and they were, guys you know, they're girly hair, boys. Yeah. They're too handsome. Like I had to like I was a closet Hardy boy fan. And and like I maybe in the back of my mind, like I really wanted to be a team with Nick. But like I didn't want to be like the Hardys. Like I can't be like them. They're too cool. They're too cool for school. I, I thought I was too cool for school. Almost, right. If I liked them. You know what I mean? But now looking back, I'm like. God, why couldn't I just admit I loved you guys? Well, it's not special. There's so many similarities. I mean, yes. you guys are so similar. The first time yeah. we ever met at that studio in Century City, I was like, you That's guys right. are the fucking Hardy Boys, man. <laughs> same story. Almost same look, yeah. same age yeah. Dis- yeah. difference, yeah. you know? Well, it really is. than the yeah. other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so we, we, we get to this show where we were just so happy that we even got booked because at the time we're making 25 bucks a shot. And the guy in charge, Joey Gas, is like, I'm going to pay you guys $75 each. And we're like, holy crap, $75? Like, we can make a living doing this if this is how we got paid, right? Right. So he brings us in, and he had sent us at an indie show. And we were... Mr. Instant Replay, and we were Slick Nick. Something's going on in this other office. Filming probably something for your show, probably. probably. for BT. (laughs) So... We get booked and we we go to the card and we're like looking everywhere for our names. We're we were disappointed. We're all we're not on the card. Where's Why Mr. Ranger Replay? It's like Nick on the card. It's yeah. not on the card. And all of a sudden we asked Joey, he asked, we're like, hey man, like you know we're here. We're here to wrestle. He's like, yeah, you're on the card right there against us. I go, excuse me. It's like I look on the thing and it's it's Joey and his partner at the time, Mongo, and, and it says versus Matt and Nick, the Young Bucks. And I go, why are you calling us Matt and Nick the Young Bucks? He's like, dude, I'm. Oh. I'm going to be really honest with you. Like, like I couldn't remember your guys' names. <laughs> <laughs> and like when we kept going back to the match and we were talking about it, we just kept referring to you guys as Matt Nick, those, those young bucks. So that's just going to be your name today, okay? And we were like, our hearts just yeah, sunk. Yeah. We're like, Ooh, yeah. we're like, that is the, we're like, that's great. And as soon as he walked away, we're like, that is the worst. We're like in panic mode. Right. We can't be Matt and Nick, the young bucks. That's the worst thing ever. We weren't yet the, the Jacksons. We were but Matt and Nick, the young bucks. So we go out there, and uh, it's a largely Hispanic crowd. They're all blowing the blow horns, and it's crazy, and it's like feels like we're in a movie. We'd never wrestled in front of more than 200 people. Right. So it's like everything looks weird. I think they had pyro that night, so there's like smoke everywhere. It looks like you're in a dream for us. Right. We hear the music. That we're song? not going to take it. My twisted it. sister. <laughs> no, we, we ain't, ain't going to take, take it. Like the whitest yeah. white boy music ever. <laughs> They're Why booing. that song? I don't know. <laughs> they boo the hell out They're of us. They're booing us. They're saying every homophobic slur in the world because back then it was okay to say these right, words. Right, right, but at right. the same time, it doesn't feel good. We're just like, they're throwing batteries at yeah. us. And we're just like, we're supposed to be the baby faces. <laughs> so we're like, oh my God, this is terrifying. So immediately these other guys come out and like, they're like rock stars. Yep. All their friends and family are there <laughs> and they're Mexican guys. So like they're, the fans are already behind them and they're supposed to be the heels. And we're just like, we're doomed. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. So we, we end up having a really competitive match, though. And I think the crowd, it took maybe five, six minutes for them to finally buy into us because we were good. We, we were doing high-flying things, and they respected it. By the end, uh, we were getting towards the finish. We're like, I think one of them had me in like a helicopter spin on his shoulders, and the other came with a missile dropkick off the top. And I remember just being up there. 
going, oh, as long as I could land this finish, we're done, we're out of here. Because yeah. you guys were bringing it in this match. I was, You've I was never like, felt that before. Never, right? never felt stiff. Yeah, like men hitting uh, me. Yeah, men hitting men, me. Yeah. yeah, we were working with boys in the Indies. These guys were big, strong men. <laughs> yeah, it was a big difference. <laughs> so we get to the end, and they spin me, and he drop kicks the hell out of me, and I just fall over. I'm like I survived my first real match, basically. <laughs> And they covered me, and we were so proud. And we get to the back, and we have these little envelopes right by our bags. We're like, oh, my God, there's the $75. We open it up, and it's not $75. It's a crisp $100 bill. Ah, bonus. And Nick and I look at each other like, oh, my God. We've made it. We made it. We made it. $100? And not only that, like, so like a week, two weeks later, we're still like, we don't want to be the Young Bucks. It's a terrible name. But everyone that books us, we look on the flyers because back then that's how we had flyers and posters. We were on the big show as the Young Bucks. We were on so every, every, everybody booked everybody us. Everybody saw you. Yeah. That, Nick. that was probably our first mini break mini like break. in California. That's, you know, we have to look back. In fact, I don't remember, 2004 or five. Yeah, probably. Uh, and, and that was it. We were the Young Bucks, and yeah. there, was, there was no change in that at that point. And so we finally said, you know what? Let's get matching gear, and let's try yeah. to make this work, <laughs> let's I go guess. with it, yeah. yeah. But we couldn't afford anything, so we went and got these, like, yellow, like, spandex, the ugliest yellow. I don't know. Why did we choose yellow? Like, Yeah, we, we bought some just random generic tights from, from Dick like, Sporting, Dick's Sporting Goods. Goods. Yeah. <laughs> and then we went to an indoor swap meet, and we were like, hey, we saw this airbrush guy. We are like, can you airbrush Young Bucks on here with, like, a dollar sign so we can do a play on words and stuff? And the guy's like, sure. And he did that. And, like, we thought we looked so cool. Looking back now, it's like, what were we thinking? Yeah, we had no money. We had so. these. We ordered these uh, offering side yeah, uh, boxing the boots. Boxing boots because we couldn't afford wrestling yeah. boots. And like these, these were on sale. They're like twenty five bucks or something. <laughs> so we're wearing these white, ugly, like cloth boxing <laughs> boots with these these yellow. Like, you could see through them. You could right, see our right, underwear. Right, right. <laughs> you know what? I just figured out yeah. what a f- brain surgeon I am. Yeah. I always thought young bucks like a deer, like a buck, like a thing. And I, when you guys shoot the money, I was like, oh, they like the money, whatever. I right. just got it now, <laughs> young bucks, <laughs> dollars. That's bucks. Like what a, f- what an idiot I am. That's right. <laughs> you know, he's Louise, I just got that right now. How we, funny. We do a play on both of them though. We yeah. do the deer yeah. thing too. But yeah, yeah, that, we've had shirts thing. with the deer. We, we've done all those. The dollar thing. It's it's been our thing since like day one. Gotcha. That's funny that you just got that just right now because you guys have been shooting dollar bills yeah. out for the last you know year. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's our thing. Uh, there's so many great stories in your book. Uh, I can't believe I just got that after knowing these guys for five years or whatever it's been. Uh, but one that I want to talk about here is your friendship with Chris Canyon. We've got a big uh, Chris Canyon uh, tribute podcast coming up, but he was very close to the two of you. We'll get into that. But first, I want to say thanks to Geico for making Talk is Jericho possible. Do you own or rent your home? Of course you do. And I bet it can be hard work, but you know what's easy is bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowner's or renter's insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing as well because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote, and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Go bundle up today. And don't forget, you got until Saturday the 30th, which is tomorrow if you listen to this on Friday, to check out Capturing Judas, um, which is the live stream we did that Midwest Beatdown Magazine said was the best live stream they've seen, uh, better than Metallica's, um, which is always cool to hear. We always try. Go to fozzy.veeps.com. I think it's 10 bucks or 15 bucks to watch the show. And you get a 90-minute Fozzy concert with stories from the road uh, that we filmed in a studio in Atlanta with all social distance precautions taken. And we kick it off with a 30-minute documentary we did called Fozzy Across America, where we did three shows in three different time zones in one day when the Judas record came out. So you get all that for 10 bucks, I believe it is. Fozzy.veeps.com. 
Uh, check it out if you want something fun to do, and if you want to see it, if you missed it somehow, you still go, you can watch it for another couple days, and then it'll be gone uh, forever. So Fozzie.veeps.com, uh, CapturingJudas.com, and come be a part of the Fozzie madness. There's lots of, uh, uh, like I said, just reading the, the stuff that I've read. There's a couple stories that stood out for me, and one, I just did a podcast, which will be out soon, mm. about Chris Canyon. I did it with Raphael. Do you know Raphael was oh, really yeah. good friends with him? Oh, yeah. really? And DDP and uh, Hurricane Helms. Oh, cool. You have a lot to say about Chris. Yeah. Both we talk about his good side, his bad side, everything. Right. I didn't realize, you know, you never realize who's influencing you, but he was a big influence on you. You know, it's crazy. Yeah. That same company that same where, where we were doing six to 8,000 people, that's where we met him. They brought Chris oh. in. They started running on a monthly basis, so they started bringing in, like, former WCW guys, and that, yeah. that was our first time meeting him was – Maybe that second one. Maybe the second. Yeah. Yeah. You want to go in? They, they, they brought Chris in and we were like, this was the first guy, like a star that we met that we saw on TV. Right. Like, I think we, we, we weren't, we weren't huge Lucha Libre fans. Right. So we didn't understand the history that El Although Santo and these, we did pop huge when they brought Conan. Yeah, we're we like, did. Oh my God, the wolf back. But we did, like, just didn't realize. WCW though. Yes. Yeah. Right, right, right. But then we saw Canyon and, and, and Canyon like immediately took a liking to us. And he approached us, and we were like, "Why is this guy talking to us? This is and he we're was just, so nice. We're just these jobbers, you yeah. know." <laughs> and at this point, our little backyard company had been become like an independent, and we were renting out buildings and selling tickets and stuff. What's it called? High. It was called high risk wrestling. High risk wrestling. Yeah. Uh, and it was mostly our backyard friends uh, who had gone to training, or I, Nick and I had trained them, or whatever, and then a mixture of like local local so. One of them guys. is Brandon Cutler. One of yes, them was Brandon the, Cutler yeah, yeah. and his brother Dustin and Malachi. Yep. So. Chris comes up to us. He's just like, hey, you know, I, I'm Chris Kenny. We're like, yeah, no, duh. <laughs> like, holy crap, he's talking to us, you know. And he's like, uh, and he wanted to know a little bit about us. And we actually told him, we're like, we actually run a company like three hours from here. Like, would you ever like want to like, you know, do a show for us? <laughs> we thought it was a long shot. <laughs> yeah. And then immediately he's like, yeah, bro, that'd be great. And we're like, what? <laughs> he's like, yeah, let's get, let's trade contacts and I'll be in contact and we'll set it up. He's like, maybe you can piggyback off the next time these guys bring me in and I can just come in. And we're like, oh my God, this is amazing. We get Canyon. And you know, it's crazy. That first show we brought him in, we saw a massive difference massive. between like, we were drawing maybe a hundred. Yeah. Wow. So that drew for you guys. He yeah. drew us our biggest crowd at the time. It was like 450, I want to say. Good and we couldn't believe it. We're all, wow. Wow, this does work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he was so nice. And like I remember, we would do like before the shows, we would do like little training sessions. He got in there and did a seminar for all of us. We're like, this guy's the greatest. Mm. And we took a liking to him to the point where like we're talking to this guy. Would you say like every day? Yeah, he was giving us advice on how to make it and yeah. just telling us his whole story. And we were blown away. It was yeah. crazy. And then like we got to know him a little bit. And I don't know. I don't, I don't want to say it got weird. But like, well, so, so we talked about Chris. Chris was gay in yes. a time just towards the end of when it wasn't. I shouldn't even say cool, but when that, who gives a shit? We right. knew we knew he was gay in the nineties, right? But he would never say it. He was really withdrawn with that. Mm -hmm. And when he finally started telling, "Hey, I'm gay," we're like, "And <laughs> right? Like, yeah." I'm see, so, see, you guys were we're naive kids. We didn't know. Gotcha. And we just we're just like, oh, this guy's really great, and he wants to help us in the wrestling business, right? So finally, one day he like he calls me and he's like, uh, "Listen, bro, I have something to tell you." And I'm like, "Okay, what's up, Chris? You got more advice on tag wrestling? <laughs> you know, I don't know." And uh, he's like, "Listen, like, I don't want to sound weird." He's like, "But the moment I saw you you at the show, he's like, uh, I, I gravitated towards you because I'm kind of attracted to you." And right away, I'm like, uh, like "Holy crap, <laughs> right. where's this going?" He's like, "Listen, I hope this doesn't change things, but bro." 
I'm gay. And I was like, yeah, I was like, oh, okay. And like, again, like I have so many, I have a gay uncle. I have a gay aunt. I've had gay, so many gay friends, even at the time at that age. Like I knew so many homosexual people. It didn't bother me. I was like, okay. But the thing that bothered me was I was thinking, wait a minute. So were you never really interested in like working with us? You just, were you hitting on me? You know what I mean? And then he immediately, he's like, that's the first reason why I did. He's like, but now we're friends, man. And he's like, but I just want to ask you if you're gay too, because I kind of, I, I just feel like there's an attraction here. And I had to tell him and I hit a line that I don't know if I use in the book. I don't remember. You used the book. Did I? Yeah. <laughs> I said, I said, Chris, I hate to break it to you, man, but I'm exclusive to vagina <laughs> to try to pop him. Yeah. And and I think he did pop, but at the same time, I think he was kind of like let down because he was hoping I was because I was so obsessed with wrestling. I just didn't talk about girls. Mm-hmm. I just wasn't interested yet. Right. Like I, I I believe that Dana and I were going through a breakup at the time or something, so she wasn't really around. Yeah, in the book it said that you were not even interested in girls. At yeah, that point. yeah. And, and like I think he might have been let down, but at the same time, he's like that doesn't change anything, man. We're friends. I still want to come in because we brought him in a couple more times. I think. Yeah. And he and he came in, and then I started like. It he was, was getting he was a kind lot of, more depressed. He was getting and sad. Yeah. And he would he would always tell uh, us to pray for him. Yeah. And we uh, did, yeah. but we were like it was getting like more and more like very bipolar. Until it yeah, finally yeah. came down to I'm just a kid at the time and he calls me one day and I'm about to hop in the shower and he calls me and he's hysterically crying mm. and I'm just like what's wrong man? And he, I can't even get a word in and he's like Finally, he's just like, I'm thinking about killing myself. I'm thinking about killing myself right now. And I'm just like, Chris, dude, relax. I'm like, what do I say to this guy? Right. I, I don't, I don't, yeah. I'm a child. Yeah. And he's like, just pray for me right now, man. Pray for me. He's like, I don't even know if I believe, but pray for me. And I, so I sit there and I'm praying with him and like the whole bathroom's filling up with steam. And I'm just, I, I'm just thinking like, I, I'm, I'm almost in shock a little bit. Yeah. So I, I think I talk him down and we get off the phone and I'm just like, that was the most intense thing that's probably ever happened to me. Right. And I'm like, this is getting kind of heavy now, this relationship with this guy. And at, after that, we kind of lost touch a little bit. Like, I think we saw him a, a couple, maybe another time. Uh, but we could see he was kind of like falling apart a little bit. Like, he showed up at a WWE show and tried to like do some type of weird like invasion. He showed up things, in the front right? row and he was yeah, driving around and the then van. Like, yeah. It just seemed like he was kind of losing. So I would check in with him and see if he's okay. But I could just tell something was up. Yeah. And I, I couldn't understand. Again, I was just a kid. I didn't know. I didn't know what being manic depressive meant. I had no clue. I had no idea what that meant. He would tell me that, and I, it would just it would brush right off me. I'm like, okay, what is that? You know, I don't know. Yeah. And uh, and he struggled with it. And I we tried to be there with him, but we it, it got to the point where like every time we talked to him, it was so unsettling and strange. That I don't know. It was like we lost contact. We lost contact with him, and that was it. And then I, I remember. I remember the day we. We found out what happened. I was heartbroken. Remember we were on the road. We couldn't believe it. Dustin called me. That's the, right. The, Dustin Cutler. He called me. He said, did you hear? And I'm like, what? And he told me. And I was just devastated. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just. And even now, like, I think back. And at, even at that young age, we're like, could we have helped? Of course you think like, that. You always think that. Yeah. yeah. Brian Cage was a great friend of Chris yeah, also. Yep. And Brian, Oh, yeah. Brian. Yeah. They were still buddies, using yeah. man. Yeah. So even I see Cage, I'm always reminded, you know, yeah. he does the who better thing. Yeah, like, I, th- does, yeah. I think about Chris a lot. He yeah. was just a, a troubled soul. You know, he was just caught in a, a strange time. In he was the business so the world good, and, too, yeah. man. People don't realize. Like, very funny. Yeah, yeah very funny. He, guy. he taught us a lot, too. A lot of the stuff in the rings, too. I use some of these weird mannerisms, these ideas he, can, he gave me. I still think yeah. about him a lot. Yeah. So. Yeah. He always called me A.O. Jericho. <laughs> always opinionated. <laughs> Another uh, another story, like I said, of the ones that I read that that was seemed like another kind of eye opening experience to you. That almost seems like it went off the rails a bit. Is your match that you had with Brian Danielson and Roderick Strong? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, It seemed like it was kind of went 
awry. Tell, yeah. tell what happened on that. Yeah. It's funny. Uh, Matt has yet to watch that back because he has yeah, such bad it. like memories mm. of it. Mm. That was that was a DDT tournament for PWG, which meant we had to wrestle three times in one night. And yeah. for PWG, those matches were so hard on the body. Wow. And this was the finals. And uh, I believe it was the second match that we had had. We were supposed to be the baby faces, but for whatever reason, the crowd turned on us completely. In match two. In match two. You know what it was? We were wrestling Kenny and, and Chuck Taylor, the men of low moral fiber. And they were just these. What was their name? Yeah. <laughs> they, they were like, it was like their first time teaming. And they were two singles guys, but they were two popular hot acts. And people just wanted them to win. And I think at this point, we're just the white meat fist pumping come on baby guys that they were over that they'd seen the act yeah. for come on baby that'll never get over <laughs> <laughs> and i think they were just like you know what we've seen this act these guys are just good guys they don't have any depth to their character mm -hmm. so they turned on us and when we beat those guys in the second round the whole place booed us out of the building and brian and roderick were in the finals with us and it was a problem because they saw us as the baby still and they were like listen we we got to get the crowd to sympathize for you guys again and the way we're going to do it, this is Brian's suggestion, is we're just going to have to beat the hell out of you. And we were like, we agreed. Because we're like, yeah, you're probably right. That's cool. Let's do that. But we had no idea what we just agreed to. <laughs> you know what I mean? So we go out there. And and I don't think they knew either what how bad it was going to get. They go out there, and they're just the ultimate baby faces. And we're getting booed out of the building no matter what. And we don't know yeah, what but, we're doing. They would hit us harder, and it would get a bigger reaction yes. each time. The so more they just, hit us or the more they slammed us, the more they kicked us, the crowd got louder and louder and yeah. louder. And if we fought back, they booed. Oh, wow. So they're thinking, like, well, we just got to hit them harder. We got to hit them more. And they cheered more and more and more. And the idea just backfired. It wouldn't work. And instead of, like, just trying something new or just going with the flow, we, they just continued beating us. Mm. And, and it got to the point where it felt like it was like we were in a real fight. Where I remember even like Roderick would run down the apron when I wasn't even the legal guy and you'd pull me down and throw me into the chairs. And like if we're fighting out in the seats, like at one point the Cutlers were there and they, they thought they were going to have to, they told me this later. Oh, shoot. Yeah. They thought they were going to have to come down and help us because they thought we were getting, we our, were our poor wives were in the crowd. Yeah. And they were crying their eyes out because they knew, they, they've seen enough wrestling to know, man, these guys are literally getting beat up. Yeah. yeah. yeah it was rough. At one point, I remember Nick was getting the elbows from Brian, and Nick was just like, like after the twentieth one or whatever, you're like, "That's right, enough." I said, yeah. "Stop, stop!" But he kept. And going. we were never the wussy types of guys. We took a beating. Like, yeah, right. I took a beating in wrestling school. Like I would show up like to the point where my mom and dad were like, "We're gonna call the cops for assault and battery." You have a black eye again, busted lip. Because like Nick said, we were kind of the arrogant backyard wrestler because they were trying to teach us a little humility. Right. So like we were used to getting our asses beat. But this was next level. Mm. This was like nothing I'd ever even. I don't think I've ever seen since. And like Nick said, I haven't even watched the, the tape back. So I'm. Just, I don't know. It's weird. It's like I feel like I've seen a clip before, and I get kind of angry again. Mm. And it's like, why would I want to relive that? And, and and Roderick came up to us right afterward, and he apologized for the whole thing. Because like, I don't know what what happened yeah. out there. And I know Brian felt bad about it too. But it's like I'm not even upset with him anymore about it. Like, why would I? at this point like i'm still buddies with these guys but like i still look back at that and it was a, it was a learning lesson for me because i don't think i'll ever do that to anybody because i don't want to ever make a younger talent feel the way that i felt that night and continue to kind of feel you know you what don't I mean? like ever feeling taken advantage yes. of and that's how we felt right. after yeah. We, yeah. yeah when you yeah. trust each other with your body yeah, and it's funny because it's two of the best wrestlers i know two of yeah. my buddies that which is it. so surprising to yeah. me especially because I, I don't know roderick at all but working with Brian, not that I've ever had the great match that we probably could have had, but it surprises me they just wouldn't have gone with the flow and just turned yeah. 
turn heel. You know, turn, you know. Yeah, I turn babyface. You're right. Like, I don't know. Like, I remember Super Dragon at the time because he was the promoter. He was kind of on their side too, though, because he didn't want. He saw us as a babyface act too. Yeah, I remember after the, after the second match, we got back and we went up to him and said, "We got to be the heels yeah. now." So it wasn't really just their fault. Because I think he was also in their ear going, I gotcha. yeah. "No, they're my babies." Because yeah. we were like their top baby face tag team. So I think there's we a lot of champions. different people. It was yeah. just a weird thing. I think now in retrospect. All of us would have made a different decision that For night. For sure. And then you, you know, the thing I regret is hitting back. I probably should have just taken it. And then, like, it would have been easier on me. But, like, I think maybe they thought, like, oh, okay, they these guys are into it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. no, I really I wasn't. Yeah, it's yeah, so, like that. maybe we made the mistake of doing that and just fighting back. It was, it's the lessons that you learn when yeah. you're coming through the business. Absolutely. You know, we've all had those moments. Yeah. Right. You know, another thing I want to talk about is your merchandise. You guys are the kings of this and how it got started. But first, Got to take care of some merch of my own, and I got to say that I'm full of great gift ideas this holiday season. Uh, and thanks to our friends at Vincero Watches, I'm about to give you another and save you some serious cash in the process. Vincero is dedicated to crafting exceptional, sustainably made modern watches at an affordable price. Vincero makes classic timepieces that you can wear day after day. They offer free shipping, 30-day returns, and a two-year guarantee. That's why you won't find a better-made watch for this good of a price anywhere else. Avoid the last-minute holiday stress and order the perfect gift right now at online at vincerowatches.com slash Jericho. Take advantage of their Black Friday sale now through December 2nd, and you can get 15% off site-wide. You can also save 20% when you spend $200 and 25% on orders of $300 or more, and you still get free shipping on your entire order. Just go to vincerowatches.com slash Jericho. Go now and save up to 25% on your order and get free shipping. That's VinceroWatches.com slash Jericho. Another thing which I didn't read about but I want to talk about uh, is, is just how you mentioned your merchandise and, and you know how the different ones you've had. There's a picture in the book of your very first yeah. yellow <laughs> oh my shirt. God. It's great. When did you guys, and you, you talk about it, about how important, you mentioned that Rami, uh, uh, who may or may not be El Generico, really, Sammy Zane. Yeah, really <laughs> took it seriously, yeah. Yeah. the merchandising right off the bat. You guys obviously learned to do that too, because to this day, you're still one of the top selling merch people yeah. and reinvented the business as far as all the hot topics. And basically, was one of the reasons why EW was even created in the first place. Yeah. When did you guys start thinking and really get into the merchandise Probably when we finally started flying out to the East Coast, would you say? Yeah. Like, and seeing uh, El Generico selling, like, and Colt Cabana. And Chris Hero. And Chris Hero, guys like that. We saw their meet and greet lines, and we're like, wait a minute. There's literally no one in our line. What are they doing that we are? What were they doing that you you did? They just knew how to connect with the audience. They were very inviting, and like, we were shy and we had our heads down. They were interacting like it was almost yeah. like a flea market. Like, and I we remember. were embarrassed to be there, so we had yes. our head down and we we weren't looking, getting eye contact. And these guys were just like, "Come on down, come meet us," and right. things like that. And we saw that. And we're like, "I'm embarrassed to do that," yeah. but look, they're making all the money and we aren't. Well, and then they just had better designs. That too, and for they sure. were known wrestlers. Yeah, like we didn't. Yeah, yeah, nobody yeah. knew who the hell we were. And but they had a charisma about them. Yeah, and we were like, we need to start learning from these guys i remember we had a king of trios weekend and that was the big like trios tournament that chikara would run and that was like a really big learning lesson for us because we saw how big merch could be because we saw they those are the only guys making any money on it like 
they would come back with you know hundreds of dollars in cash, and yeah. we were lucky to sell one or two T-shirts. <laughs> and, and that was the then, secret, though. They were like, our payday isn't much, yeah. but this is the payday, the T-shirt sales. And yeah. we're like, really? Okay. And and we did the weekend where it was like night one, we sold one shirt, two shirts. Night we Then we had a really good match, though. So then night two, maybe we sold four or five shirts. But then we had a great match on night two. I think Nick's that's yeah. when we did this four-way famous match with generico and ibushi and jigsaw yeah so after that that's when like we realized like our, our lines were getting a little bit bigger by and night three we sold out on our, the shirts that we brought we're like, oh my yeah. god and because it just people were impressed by your work that's yeah. what yeah. that's what it, it hit me though i was like oh my god like wrestling's kind of like the infomercial like right. this is the actual product point. you know what i mean like we're this is we're out there we're advertising what we are we want people to get Yep. here to buy the actual product. We took product. a lot from that weekend. And we, and we learned. learned. We started marketing ourselves a little bit more. It wasn't just, we worried about the, the weird things, like stuff that didn't even matter. We're like, this is what, this is our so, livelihood. But, but I was the same when I went to Smoky Mountain Wrestling. I mean, the idea was you had to go sell merch yeah. in intermission. And a lot of times we were on, I hated going to the merch table before my match because mm. I come from right. the rock and roll mentality is that, you know, Mick Jagger's not at the merch stand before Correct. the stones exactly and they, he's never right. at the merch stand right but then you'd see the rock and roll express who were on after us yeah selling everything they would buy bed sheets rip them up into 20 20 <laughs> strands write r and r on them and sell them as rock and roll headbands wow. brilliant and and they were all about it and yeah, tracy yeah. smothers too and i just was like you said i was embarrassed to be there. i never yeah. i never got that part yeah. of it thankfully i was only there a short time and i never had to do it again but i would have yeah. been the same as you guys yeah. you're right though like it's all about perception, right? Yeah. So it's like it's weird to do I it. I hated the, the thought of that. Yeah. And then, like, I don't know, somewhere along the lines, it became, like, charming to do it. And right. people looked forward to it, with us at least. It was, it was part of and our And then app. we started learning these little tricks. We'd be like, hey, promoter, can you put us on? Uh, right before intermission, and then after our match, we'll go right to the right table. To the we'll table. say follow. We'll get on the Genius. mic. And say follow yeah. us to the table, baby. Yeah. Yeah. And we just had this killer match. Yeah. Everyone's like, oh, I want to meet these. See, guys. that's smart. Yeah, that's what. You, and that to me would make more sense because you've already you've just worked right. Pied Piper to the merch stand, right. and you're still hot and sweaty, so you don't yep. have to bother yep. getting energy again. But what worked for us was like we put it. It was part of our act. The merchant thing, merchandise thing, was part of our act. So it's like when we were out there, they're like, "Of course they're out there. This is what they do. Right. They're the young ones, DIY yep. merch guys." So we would be out there before the show. We'd be out there at intermission, and we'd be, <laughs> be out there at the end. Yeah, and and we would sell so many shirts. Yeah, I remember it was so funny. We'd be wrestling like a tag team that was less experienced than us, and they'd be scared to death. They're like, "When are they going to come and talk about this we'd match?" Be, we, their match two would be on, and we're still out there hustling t-shirts. But we were doing it. And so we're match often. four, which is funny because it's the same thing you said that Rami did. Yes, yeah, when he was exactly. selling, and, and we were the nervous guys. Yeah, yeah. we learned it from him. It's like, so where funny. is he? Come on, Rami. We have a match, you know, because now we knew we understood it's a business, you know, like, but like when you get that sharp and confident, it's because you're doing it so much. It's because you're doing three to four shows a week and you know your act. You could take that act every town and plug it in like you don't have to overthink it. Like it's so much different now, like being on TV every week where it's like every match is seen by a million people yeah. or whatever. And it has to you have micromanage every single thing there. It was like. These 200 people will watch this or 400 people will watch right. this match. We do whatever we want. Do whatever we want. Exactly. Right. Yeah. We'll meet all 400 of them probably. Yeah. We'll yeah. go to the next time. We'll do the same thing. So we just plugged in our act and we got really sharp at that. We just, we knew, and it was really intimate. So like they could hear everything we were saying. So we got really good at engagement. Right. Like we would be in the ring and we could literally have conversations with some of the fans and they love that. Like, wow, we're part of the show. Like, we started getting good at that character stuff. Mm -hmm. And that's truly when our merchandise started taking off. And when, and when we implemented the merchandise thing as our, as our act, like, the Bucks are coming to town. I can meet them. 
And it beca- it almost became like a campaign for us. Like we were on a campaign trail. And we would show up and shake your hand and kiss your baby. Mm-hmm. So You'd meet us. Yep. If you, if yeah. it, it was like this weird rite of passage. If you got a, a Young Bucks shirt, you did it. Oh, you you, you yeah. had the full Young Bucks experience. You took a selfie with him and you got a shirt. Like it was part of our it's ad. A VIP package. Yeah, right. <laughs> it was like a, it was charming almost. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I met the Bucks. Here's my proof of it. Here's yeah. my T-shirt. And and that's that's what we did. It, it, and the merch thing blew up from that point. Let's talk about the Hot Topic deal specifically. Uh, that was huge. It was huge for everybody. But before we go there, I know all this social distancing and quarantining at home has been really hard for a lot of us. I know some of you haven't been able to see your families and probably won't be able to travel over Christmas. But here's something that might make the distance sep- and separation a little easier to deal with. Get your family members a skylight frame. Let me tell you why these digital frames are so amazing. You can update them instantly from anywhere by email, and everyone in the family can send photos as well. The skylight frame is super easy to set up. It takes less than 60 seconds. Just plug it in and use the touch screen to connect it to Wi-Fi. Then share your personal skylight email address with your family and friends and sit back and watch the photos pop up on the screen. Skylight Frame is an awesome 10-inch touch screen. You can swipe photos through with your finger, just like you do on a smartphone. You can even tap a thank you to the person who sent a photo. You can preload the Skylight Frame with pictures before you give it. It's an awesome gift for any grandparent, any family member that can't be with you for the holidays, actually. And Skylight has a 100% satisfaction guarantee, so even if you don't love it, they'll offer you a full refund. You guys know how technically challenged I can be, but even I was able to set up the Skylight Frame and then load pictures on it. We're going to send it to the grandparents and have the kids email more pictures over holidays. And right now, you can get 10% off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and you use my promo code Jericho. That's right, get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame at skylightframe.com. Use the promo code Jericho. That's skylightframe, S-K-Y, lightframe.com. Use the promo code Jericho and see the new way to look at pictures in a frame. As we start to wind down here, I wanted, I don't know if you wrote about it in the book, but I'm just curious for my own self, was the Hot Topic deal. Yeah. Because when I was working in New Japan before AEW started, I got into Hot Topic too, basically because of you guys and the buyer, and that was some good money for me. Yeah. And I wasn't selling half of what you guys were selling. Yeah. Especially that I had the Alpha Club Alpha or whatever Club, that was. Yeah. That one was huge. Oh, that was everywhere. They made little yeah. pins and patches. So how did that all come about? Our, our shirts were, they got popular off of Pro Wrestling Tees, basically. That's where everybody picked them up. And did Pro Wrestling Tees basically start at the same time as the rise of the Young Bucks? It seems yes. like it kind of hand grew, in hand. We grew with right. them. Yeah. Uh, we were one of the first five wrestlers to open up a shop with, with uh, Ryan Barkin at, at Pro Wrestling Tees. And that's another great idea because he's, he sells by demand. Yeah. You know, you don't have to buy 144. That's the secret. Yeah. Yeah. And, that, and all that was like Colt Cabana's brainchild, too. Yeah, it was his idea. Gotcha. Yeah, and he got Ryan into all that. That's when we got really good oh, at making Colt, shirts. Colt's a pioneer That's with all That's why his stuff, face is man. on all the boxes. Right, gotcha. Right, I was wondering, yeah. how the hell is this guy on that? <laughs> we got really good at designing shirts at that point because... We weren't afraid to try things because we're like, well, if it, people hate it, they don't buy it. There's, there's nothing in stock. There's no right. loss. So we started really experimenting with funny things and great right. I- ideas, designs that maybe I wouldn't print up a thousand of them because yeah. maybe I'll get stuck with 999 of them. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, so we got good at it. And anytime we just kept selling, anytime we would say a thing or do a thing, we would have a shirt the next day. And there's you could never do that in the t-shirt business. It would take weeks to get a shirt. Yeah. And here it is. I would say something on a Saturday or have a viral video, and by Sunday, I have a, right. a you know a picture of a and new. That's literally the truth. Yeah. That, and that's what changed the business for us. And that's what got our shirts everywhere. And that's when start, I started going to the wild and seeing Young Buck shirts. We, and we started our YouTube show. Yes. And that helped a lot too because we would promote our shirts on the YouTube show and say, Hey, they're available now. Mm-hmm. And we would noticeably see 
like how many we would sell when we would release an episode on uh, being the elite. Gotcha. And it was usually, crazy. Usually, literally, I go, Nick, watch this. Yeah. We'd make the episode live and it's like ding, ding, ding. Yep. My phone's just going off. People are buying the shirts. Like, it was insane. This is like an infomercial. Again, it was like another way of but, having an infomercial. Yeah, but for now we had like a platform for everyone to see, not just at this indie where 400 right. would see us. Right. Yeah. So that changed the game was YouTube. That helped tremendously. And people started knowing who we were as, as human beings on the YouTube show because we took them behind the curtain, right. let them meet our family they members, our friends, to us more. the things we did, the struggles we had, how tired we were. And they started going, oh, this isn't just a couple of kids that like wear flashy clothes and tassels and they do cool moves. These are regular people. These guys, they're, they're guys. And that's when our meet and greet lines started going crazy, even crazier. And uh, our t-shirts were saying like, 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 like nuts. And we're just like, what is this? And it obviously helped that Bullet Club just went nuts. Right. Like everyone wanted the Bullet Club t-shirt. And yes. We were a part of that. And that blew up like And you crazy. know what Bullet Club? Bullet Club was like lightning in a bottle because it was like you heard about it, but you didn't know quite what it was. You're like, ah, yeah. there's this thing going down in Japan and right. it felt underground and hip and cool. It was almost like a fight club thing. And right? the logo was awesome. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And the logo was awesome. And that always helps. So when you when you have a sweet logo and you have all those things and people are talking about and you, a buzz, buzz right. but you don't know really what it is and it's from Japan, mm -hmm. Japan's just always cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So like that shirt got really hot, so it made us hot in turn. Like we we realized it that Bullet Club blew us up. And at, there was a WrestleMania. Uh, I don't what WrestleMania was. It's in the book. I'd have to look. Yeah. Uh, There's a WrestleMania where we are the peak of Young Buck popularity. Dallas maybe or something. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, Bullet Club shirts are everywhere all weekend. And the buyers, uh, it was Joe, Joe and Taffy. Yeah, Joe, yeah. Yeah, they were at the show and all they saw was Bullet Club, Young Bucks, Kenny Omega. And you know how WrestleMania is. It's a weekend of just events. Yeah. So they went to a bunch of the events and they kept seeing they kept Young seeing Bucks it, shirts. Bullet Club t-shirts. And they were just like blown away and they're like, we have to get, these are the shirts we need in Hot Topic. Like, no offense to all these other shirts. This is what I've seen the most of. So they, they're like, they did some research and they're like, where do, where do we go? They found Ryan. And they're like, well, Ryan, where? No, you can't leave this out. They what? contacted WWE. They said, we want the Young Bucks t-shirts and the Bullet <laughs> Club t-shirts. And yeah. they go, uh, they don't work for us. <laughs> go find someone Steam else. Steam shooting out of their ears. <laughs> yeah. right. So they get in touch with Ryan. Ryan tells them, hey, yeah, I work with these guys. And Ryan got with me. And and I talked to Hot Topic. And they said, we would like to put some of your shirts in our store. We couldn't believe and it. And we were like, oh, wow. huge. We were like, absolutely. So we made a deal to get Young Buck stuff in, and Ryan through worked with New Japan. He got a licensing deal to get the Bullet Club stuff in. So they wanted to first. They were just going to start with Bullet Club and Young Buck stuff, and they were going to try it in a couple of uh, a couple of the shops. It wasn't many, just to see how it would, yeah, it would do. just to see what it would be right. like. And at the eleventh hour, they decided, you know what, we're going to throw Kenny's in there too because like we want the three. So we we started with the three, and I don't remember the exact number of stores, but. They put them out, and it was they, they said they'd never seen anything like it. They were sold out immediately. So within, I want to say it was 24 hours, Hot Topic already reached out to me, and they are like, we're going to every store yeah. in North America. We couldn't believe it. We were like, because oh, this my is, God. You have to think, this is the store we go to as children <laughs> buying WWE T-shirts uh, all the time yeah, because right, that was right, the place right, right. to go. Yeah. At like every mall. I think we went to a Hot Topic to buy those purple bandanas we wore as, as Generation Me at TNA. We did. <laughs> and, our, and our pants. Yeah. It all goes full circle, you well, know. That was right. the place. Hey, you go, yeah. there, go rock, buy rock shirts there right. or whatever, yep. yeah. And that's what changed the game. It was like, oh, you guys have, so you have, you have merch in, in a retail shop? Like, this is big time. Mainstream. Mainstream. That so changed everything People who us. probably didn't know who we were still are buying our shirts now because they're selling out. And it just made us... 
it made people go, these guys are legit. And it was another one of those moments where we were like, we were like, the first time we got a crisp $100 bill where yeah, we said, yeah. I think yeah. we made it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because someone always someone asked us that the other day. When did you make it? It's right. like, it's a series of events. There's, There's levels. Levels. Yeah. And it's like, for us, it's like lately, it was like, oh my God, I've always wanted an action figure. Yeah. Check. Oh my God, we made it. You know, I still have to buy on the my shelf. first house. Yeah. Boom. Made it. Yeah. I, I want to be able to, to quit her job. I'm going to say the same thing. Things like, like that. Yeah. It's like a, several moments right. where it's like, you finally get to a point where you're like, I, I think we've made it for years. You know what I mean? Like, when do you really know you you, you truly made it? The book. Another, Another thing I've always yeah. wanted to do since I read Have a Nice Day when I was freshman year in Miss Mirror's class in language arts and it was on the shelf. <laughs> I remember thinking to myself, like, one day I want to write a but book. But you constantly push yourself. Yes. Yeah, and that's the way right. it should be. Yes. That's why you're never, you're never happy. You're happy, but you always you're want more. You're never content. Right. Yeah, yeah. Right. And you tell yourself that you're like, once I make this much money, or I make it to this point, I'm truly going to be happy and I'll be fine. It's like, yeah. no, it's not true because you're going to get there going. and you're going to have bigger problems. That's it, yeah. And you're going to want to do more. Gene Simmons told me that. He goes, yeah. I always want to do more. Yeah. Wow. You know, Gene Simmons, it doesn't matter. It wow. never stops. More, there's more to do. That's when you're crazy. truly driven, yeah. you just keep going. Yeah. And you, and it, it, it's kind of, that's kind of sucks in well, a way. And we see it with you. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. it's crazy to see, like, you've done everything. Yeah. Right. You got your own band. You know, you, you yeah. have a podcast that's very successful. Yeah. You're still such a great wrestler and it's like we see right. that we go you know what we could be like that too let's right. just keep yeah. driving ourselves yes and you could get more success if you keep working at but do you, it do you ever get to a point like where you're just like okay I'm cool I just want to chill out well, so, and some, enjoy some it some days I am but like yeah. But like, but there's always more challenges and, and right. things around the corner you yeah. know like you, right. that's what I love about working here mm. is that this really is our company right. and if we don't like we talked yesterday about writing some stuff if we don't write the stuff no one's coming up. Like in WWE, right, it got right. really, you were always, people were angry. What am I doing this week? Oh, yeah. shit. But it was done for you. Correct. Nothing is done for us here because no, we're exactly. we're in charge, yeah. essentially. So if yeah. you fail, you're failing because of yourself. That's right. right. And if you don't come up with, it's like you say with your book, you wrote your book because it's for, it's your voice. Correct. If I don't come up with more ideas for shit for me to do, right. I, I, I got nothing to do. So right. it makes it fun then, I it guess. Does. Yeah. It does. It's challenging. You yeah. need a challenge. Yes. You point. do have to have balance, though. Yes. You really do. And that's, that's like, what I that's struggle with. The, me too. I struggle big time. I get in trouble that. all the time at home for like, you work too much at home. Sure. Like, when yeah. you're working work, but you're at home, yeah. don't just sit in the office and right. do shit. It's hard because you're so used to go, 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 go. Yes. Right? And then this pandemic, especially. It's the same for us. Stay home. All of, all three of like, us. what? Yeah. I got to stay home and do nothing? Yes. I'm, so my whole life is on the road or on doing the go, something. Yeah. And there was a whole month where you guys were home, home. <laughs> right. home, home. That must have drove you even more crazy. Right. We, you, know? I, you go, at first you go, you know what? This ain't going to be so bad. As yeah. I needed time off by day four. Because you're, like, we're artists and we're just, we're creative yes. and we want to do something. It's like I'm driving my family crazy. Yeah, my kids are like, Dad, leave me alone. Yeah, get out of here. <laughs> like, and then, you know, the silver lining in this is I've missed so many birthdays, yes. holidays in my 16, 17 year career. Yeah, we've talked about this. this. Is yeah. been, it has been so wonderful. I've bonded with my family more than I've ever bonded right. with them ever before. I'm so close to them right now. Yeah, which has been amazing. Great. It's almost like there's going to be separation, anxiety. There, and oh there my God. is every yeah. time well, I we leave now. We do have now. to leave again. Every you time know? I leave, even for this, my kids are like, how many sleeps, Dad? I'm like, it's only three sleeps. <laughs> I know. It used to be 30 sleeps. <laughs> yeah, it used to be five weeks in Japan. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? right? Chill out. We had this this week yeah. when we did TV last week and then went to Vegas for a couple of days. I'm like, so you're gone three days this week? I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> it used to be four days, five days yeah. every week. Every week. And you know yeah. what's funny now? It's like, God, I don't know. Are we ever going to go back to the old days? Probably not. I don't know. 
Like, but I, I think about that. I'm like, man, am I going to be able to deal with that? Well, I think like, for us to just working here, I mean, it's funny when you think about this. We've been a, a, a company in a pandemic without people longer than we were a company that with people. Blows my mind. But we, at least we were always just doing once a week, right? So yeah. we've never we're still doing once a week, and I feel for you guys. Like you said, you got to take yeah. this schlep from Jacksonville to L.A. That's a lot every with a mask on. week. Yeah, with a mask on. That's the worst too. Yeah, that's that's tough. That's tough. I've done a couple of LA trips to this Vegas trip. That's six, seven hours it's with a long the mask time, on. Yeah. yeah. Take your mask off and take some water. Sir, can you put your mask on? Can I have a sip? Yeah. <laughs> and they only give you water. Yeah, I know. There's That's nothing. There. nothing <laughs> like, and then if you if you're traveling right now, there's nothing open. Like nothing, we'll, we'll go yeah. to Atlanta nothing. and there's nothing. nothing. I'm like, I can't even yeah. find coffee in Atlanta. Yeah. And then you got to go from Atlanta to LA. Yeah. And like I said, if they're like, we, I'll buy something and take it with me, but there's nothing open. Nothing. nothing. You know, it's so what and then when we land, do? everything's closed. Yeah, so we're like, gosh. what do we do for dinner? It's, it's <laughs> bizarro world right now. It really is. Yeah. Back in the day, you're like, oh, just, yeah, there, there's going to be something open. No, not anymore. There's yeah. nothing open. <laughs> it's bad too. And I can tell you exactly the snack they give you. No matter if you're in first class, no class, if you're riding with, <laughs> yeah. the, with the pets, they yeah. give you a bag of Cheez Its, yeah. a bag of those cookies, <laughs> yeah. and a bag of water. Yeah. yeah. A bottle of water. There you go, buddy. Here's here for six hours. Yeah. But there you go, man. Yeah. Like, can't yeah. you just give me a sandwich wrapped in the same thing? What a, Anything? What a weird time. I know, right? Well, we're never going to forget this. I know. Uh, no. Ever. No. Ever. You know, it, it, our kids are going to look back at this and just be like, oh my God, what happened to the world? You we're know? living history right now. Yeah. Right. You know? Right. It's bizarre. Um, last question for you guys, because we, we, like I said, there's so much great stuff in the book and it just give me a, 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 a shorter answer. What's your favorite story in the book? Is there one that stands out oh, for you man. guys? For me, like... It was really painful to go back at some of these terrible times we had to live. Mm. Where I don't know why this is my favorite because maybe I knew we overcame it. Right. But I tell a story about how we knew we had to quit TNA because there was no money there and we were basically starving ourselves. And if because if you didn't work, you didn't get paid with the contract we signed mm. up for. It was terrible. And we go into great detail about the terrible contract that we signed. But I was pregnant with my first baby, me and Dana, and it was little Courtney, and she's you know, she's on her way and I'm making no money and we have to quit this thing. We have to quit wrestling for TNA. And at the same time, I had a side job, which people don't know about. I worked at a machine shop on the side while I'm on television every like Thursday wow. night. You know what I mean? And that went on, that business went under two because we were in the middle of the recession. Oh, no. So it was just rock bottom for me. Uh, and I told Nick, we were, I remember we, we'd quit the company. We, we were connecting. I think it might've been in Atlanta actually. And uh, I, I was starved, so I went into a Popeye's chicken, and I went to buy a chicken sandwich for, like, $1.99, and my credit card got declined. Oh. And and Nick was already waiting with his receipt because he was before me, and I called him over, and I was devastated, like, having to ask my younger brother to buy me a $2 sandwich. Eesh, yeah. So he slid his card and bought it, and I didn't talk f- for that entire flight home. Like, I was just devastated. And I came home, and I told Dana, I was like, I have to quit wrestling. I said, there's just no way to live. I'm 20-something years old. We have a baby on the way. I don't have a job. I'm unemployed now. Like, I have to quit wrestling. And and Nick, you know, credit to him, he he had faith that there was so, there was more, you know, to come for us. And he, he convinced me not to quit yet. And he's like, if we're going to do this, let's, let's do this right. And let's wrestle the way we want to wrestle. And that's when we kind of did the attitude switch. Right. And and started not caring and not obeying the weird wrestling rules that we all, you know, the unwritten rules that wrestlers have to do. <laughs> yeah. And once that, you know what, sometimes you have to hit rock bottom yeah. to get to that place. Yeah. Yeah. And that was our rock bottom moment, yep. I think. Um, it was rough. Even after that, we continued to fail. We had a failed run at ROH. Uh, continued to fail. <laughs> <laughs> it was bad for a long yeah. time. And going back and writing about this, it it's was hard. hard. I, I had to put my brain back in that year and like, 
I was crying writing this stuff, and it was devastating. And even though I knew the, there was a good part coming out of this, like it was hard to go back to that point where right. like I would have to look out out of my window every morning when I'm making coffee to see if my truck got repossessed, mm. or like waiting for the note to show up that we're getting evicted out of my apartment. Right. Like right. it was that bad, yeah. really bad for a while. It got to the point where like I I, I was like I was too. I couldn't even ask my in-laws like to borrow money anymore from them. I just couldn't do it. Like yeah. I'd borrowed so much from them. I was so in debt. I had $10,000 in debt on credit cards. Like it was bad. And just to like relive like the stories of us overcoming that and, and climbing that, that, that slow climb back to success. Like that for me is feels so good for me. Like, and now I know, and I know how the ending is like, it, it's a happy, mm-hmm. happy ending. So like that made me feel good, but the struggle is so real. And I hope now, now it's a terrible time. 2020 sucks and everybody's dealing with hardships and terrible stuff. I think people can read this story, even if they're not a wrestler or a wrestling fan or just, just anything. And they can take some inspiration out of it. They could see that, Hey, I'm having a hard time this year. These guys overcame this. Maybe I, there's hope for me. Right. Cause we were just two poor kids from Southern California, average size guys you know, trying to make it in the land of giants at the time in the early right. 2000s, yeah. you had to be 250 pounds yeah. and, you know, six, three or whatever. And we weren't those guys. And somehow we made it out and here we are. And I hope people could read that and they could, you know, maybe have a little bit of hope right now mm-hmm. in this, this really dark time called 2020. Yeah. And they don't even have to be wrestlers right. to get that take from it. You know, it could inspire yeah. no, anyone you're right. yeah. in any field of business, you know, or, right. Yeah. You're yeah. exactly right. Is there a, a tale that you like in there? I, you know what? I'll, I'll try to make it a little shorter. Uh, I think, in a sense, just to try to be nice to everyone. And little did we know, being friends with Okada in 2009 and TNA and having his back would actually help us get our biggest break wow. of our career yep. four years later. Wow, I didn't know And that. he would actually call us and say, hey, I... I'm a big thing now here. You guys want to come over to Japan uh, because we're friends, you know, and yeah. uh, here you are. Here's a job pretty much. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that would probably be my my cool take from it is you never know. Dude, you never going to help you later I on in life. I bought Giotto and Gato a hot dog yeah. in Mexico City in 1993 because they didn't have any money. Yeah. I took them out for lunch. They got hot dogs. I'm like, hot dogs? You can have... You can have the, the 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 Salisbury steak if you want, <laughs> right? And here they are, yep. Gato. You know, wow. same thing as right you. Twenty five years later, I'm yeah. headlining the Tokyo Dome with him as the booker yeah. who got me over there. He just never knows. Crazy. Man. Be nice to everybody. Yeah, exactly. Treat everybody with respect. That's yeah. how we've always yeah. tried to be. Yeah. yeah. So Ozzy says, treat everybody nice on the way up because you never know when you see them on the way down. Yes, right. Sir. Yeah. It's yes, true sir. though. Yep. Guys, it's great talking to you always, and uh, I'm excited to finish the rest of this book, and uh, let's go make some money today. Thanks for having us on. Thanks for having us on, man. Young (laughs) bucks. Yeah, dollars. (laughs)